when I feel like I might be failing, I can get tweaked. And that's, you know, that can cause a more than five out of 10 reaction in me. And learning that and learning to soothe myself and reframe, like I've had a whole journey of like reframing pass or fail as learning and growing and getting better. Welcome to the Rising Leader Podcast, where being a high achiever doesn't necessarily equate to being an effective leader. Let's check to see if you're in the right place. If you're rising through the ranks of your organization so fast that your leadership skills need to grow as fast as your responsibilities, you're in the right place. If it seems you need different skills to lead your team or lead from within a group of talented, competitive peers, you're in the right place. If you're looking to become a trusted advisor to the CEO, you are definitely in the right place. So now that we know that you're in the right place, enjoy today's conversation. Before we begin, I have something for you. Have you not read Only Tens 2.0 yet? If you've been listening to the show, my guess is you have read it. Would you like to give away a copy to someone you care about, someone who's struggling with time and energy management? someone who needs to focus on the important things? Well, if you go to markjsilverman.com, click on the red resource buttons, we have put a free copy of Only Tens 2.0 for you to download, and you can upload it onto your electronic device of choice. I hope you enjoy. I'm really excited to bring you my next guest. Uh, she's a friend of the Mastering Midlife, Mastering Overwhelm podcast. She's been on a number of times. She's a really close friend, a colleague, a frequent collaborator. Uh, you know her as Helen Appleby. She wrote the book, The Unwritten Rules in Women's Leadership. And that book is so good that I give the book to men just because it's The Unwritten Rules in Women's Leadership. If you go step-by-step, topic-by-topic, it's something that we all can learn and it's pretty universal. It just has that spin for what women have to deal with in the workplace. So I asked Helen to come onto the show because we have a few things to chat about on The Rising Leader. Officially, Helen Appleby has run a billion-dollar business. She's lived and worked in six countries, all while raising her two children, her amazing kids, and doing it backwards in heels, as they say. She's been there, done that. Uh, She's the author of The Unwritten Rules of Women's Leadership, Step Into Your Power, Write Your Own Rules, and Succeed in Your Career. This is the book she wished she read while she was rising through the ranks. Today, Helen works with CEOs and senior leaders to grow their leadership style, build high-performing teams, take their careers to the next level, or if they're ready to head on into the next thing, design their legacy. So Helen, thank you for coming and uh, hanging out with us on The Rising Leader today. Thank you, Mark. Always, always a pleasure to hang out with you. (laughs) We've, we've never actually had this conversation. Uh, we, we've gone into a bunch of the subjects in your book, uh, but we've never just asked you for your overall story. You wish, you, you know, this was the book you wish you had while you were rising through the ranks. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if you could just give us a little bit of your story of what it was like before you were global VP of everything 
you know, and you were rising through, <laughs> rising through the ranks of the health. <laughs> be I careful. Get, Our regulatory team would not be happy with that claim. Yes, yeah, so no, I, 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 but, I, but I, I get to, I get to embellish because I'm the host. You can't embellish. I can embellish. But really, like you, you know, you know, I was, I was listening to Dan Warmanhoven, who was the uh, CEO of Network Appliance or NetApp. Uh, company mm-hmm. that I was with in the early 2000s, and it was the at that time it was the fastest growing company in Silicon Valley history. And in this talk, he said that he had to change his leadership style three times. That he had a coach, and that he changed three times because his company was growing so fast, and he had to he had to adapt to what he had going for him. You rose through the ranks in a pretty fast fashion, and you were a woman. I'm curious, what's the story, and what did you have to learn along the way? Gosh, I'm going to answer that question in two parts, really. I think the kind of the Dan distinction around changing your leadership style, I'll come back to because it's a really interesting point and it really resonates with me. In terms of my story, I guess I often say my dad taught me that girls can do anything that boys can do when I was young. And, and that was kind of the spirit in which, you know, I approached my teenage years and and life and corporate life. And He's absolutely right. I guess the piece that he didn't realize was that often it's different for women and the research would say, you know, more difficult. And it was the pieces, there were just some sticky parts for me on that journey. I did succeed, but, you know, there were bumps and bruises on the way that if I had had this book, And I think if there'd been more women around me and above me that I could have asked and that would have been really honest with me, it would have been easier, you know, but succeeding in corporate life and having a, you know, 25 year career is, you know, I'm sure a lot of the men that are listening would say, yeah, it's not easy for us either. This stuff is hard. So not to take away from just, you know, succeeding in businesses is, is a marathon, isn't it? We talk about it being a marathon, not a sprint, but I guess the struggles for me, one of them was managing conflict, right? Managing people who had a different conflict style for me. And I guess I didn't even have that distinction. So I guess, you know, yeah, we didn't, on the we didn't journey, have those distinctions. We didn't just, have we just that. had conflict and right. you know, now we've refined it. didn't but. like it when people yelled. <laughs> we just, you know, I, I didn't grow up in a house where we yelled. And so it was incredibly difficult for me to manage that. And I took it really personally. And those were the moments, honestly, when I found myself trying to cry silently in the bathroom. I just, it took me a long time to learn the distinction around conflict styles and just how I have a conflict avoidance style and not everyone does. (laughs) And, And it took me a long time to not take it personally, right? I, when I coach now and, you know, teach women, I will say, you know, any reaction above a five out of 10 is almost certainly not about this issue and not about you. It's not about the slide. <laughs> what, a, what a great distinction. So if someone's mildly angry at something, there might be an issue with your slide, mm-hmm. with, with something mm-hmm. that you, you know, with your performance or something like that. But if it's above a five and all of a sudden they're raging at you or they're raising their voice or something, it's from the past. Now we've stepped into the cliche it's not about you, it's about them. <laughs> right. And something is triggered in them. And, and that kind of understanding different conflict styles and, and just learning to take it less personally and learning to kind of not let my nervous system disintegrate, but stand in the discomfort 
of, you know, having got it wrong or them being cross just took a long time. And I wish that I'd had some of those tools earlier. So conflict was one. Before you go on, before you go on, yeah. I'm just curious. So how, how do you start to learn to not take it personally and stay grounded and centered while somebody else is losing their shit? to understand your style, to understand that their style is not your style, right? Like I said, if it's more than a five out of 10, it's actually nothing to do with what's almost certainly not to do with what's going on in the room. And how do you look for, how can you maybe take a break if appropriate, or look for what you agree on and look for, is there some truth? I often use the analogy of, you know, is there actually a gift in what they're saying? Is there something right in what they're saying? Even if you don't like the way the gift is wrapped, right? Even if it's in nasty wrapping paper, can you for a moment focus on what is the truth? Can you have them feel heard? And then can you move the conversation on? Those are the the coping techniques. If you can't take a break that can work and then, you know, there may well be conversations that you can have outside the room to make sure it doesn't happen in the future. Okay. Love this topic because I, I had one a, a client who was thinking of signing on to work with me speak to another client and they asked what was one of the biggest things you got out of working with Mark or whatever. And the guy said uh, that I don't take it personally when people get mad at me anymore. And I was shocked that that was one of the top things he got out of uh, got out of it because he was able to stay grounded and centered and deal and work through a situation rather than crumble or rage, which you know with men we either crumble, go take our marbles away, or we rage back. And that's neither one of those are work, you know, or well. So if we can get to emotional intelligence, if we can get to grounded and centered, now we can diffuse the situation and get to where the conversation needs to go. Mm. And also, I think knowing yourself, you know, when you do the, the kind of personality tests that we both do as a coach, knowing our own triggers, because again, if your nervous system is disintegrating, sometimes that's your stuff, right? They may not even be yelling that hard. So for me, there was a big journey, which, you know, on some level still continues with my attitude to failure. And so I knew along that journey, you know, I had a coach as well in business and just through doing my own personal development work that when I feel like I might be failing, I can get tweaked. Right? And that's, you know, that can cause a more than five out of 10 reaction in me. And learning that and learning to soothe myself and reframe, like I've had a whole journey of like reframing pass or fail as learning and growing and getting better. Wow. Thank you. That, that, that flip side is really important. Thank you for that. Okay. So what's next? What else did you wish you that were kind of a stumbling block for you? I think another one that I struggled with and that comes up a lot in the group work that I do is how do you get mentors and sponsors when the people above you don't look like you? Because what can happen in those situations is, you know, all of us in some way, I mean, look at us even, right? Rising leader and the unwritten rules of women's leadership. On some level, all of us are motivated to help people behind us that remind us of ourselves, right? And And that is on an unconscious level. So senior leaders in business will often take an interest in the careers of people that remind them of themselves when they were younger, right? Oh, you know, he's too noisy, you know, or he's quiet, or he reminds me of me when I was young, or we, you know, we both played lacrosse, or we're both football players, or, you know, we support the same team. 
and if there's that kind of subconscious connection, then they'll take interest. Now, that's all well and good, except if you don't look like the people that are above you in the organization and you don't remind them of them when they were younger, then what happens is you typically don't get asked. But mentors, the people who share their experience with you, take an interest in you, give you advice, share their journey, having a mentor is a career accelerator because, you know, we're not the first people to figure this out, are we? We don't want to have to figure it out ourselves for the first time every time. You can do it. Like Mary Folio says, everything's figure outable. I'm a big believer in that. And there's a lot of people that can help to speed it up. So I knew, right, the fact that I needed or the fact that mentors could help me on my journey was not an unwritten rule. I knew that. I just didn't know how to ask. I just found that I didn't end up with any Um, Or I got them and then they left (laughs) and I didn't know how to ask. So again, really the unwritten bit for me that I wanted to know earlier is, you know, Helen, look ahead of you. What are the journeys ahead of you in your career? You know, where could you do use help? Who's good at it? Who's two steps ahead of you? They don't have to be the CEO, right? Not everyone needs to be coached by the CEO. They have to be two steps ahead of you on the journey. And in fact, to be honest, if the CEO's eight steps ahead of you on the journey, they may not be able to help that much because they may not remember what it's like to be where you are because it was so long ago. So mentors and then, you know, mentors are a great source of sponsors. Sponsors are different. Sponsors are people who advocate for you when you're not in the room which is different from mentors, but they're a second level career accelerator. And again, you know, how do you get those? How do you build them? How do you have those conversations so that when an opportunity comes up and you're not in the room, they know that you're interested and they can bring your name into the room. It can really, really help. And I didn't know that. I had to learn that. How'd you learn to ask, especially when someone didn't look like you? I think having a clear reason to ask. So, you know, I'm interested in, you know, I, so Mark, you know, I really admire the way you do this. I'm interested in getting better at that too. I'd love to ask your advice about that. Could we have a coffee and could I ask you some questions about it? When you ask like that, it's very clear. So being being very very specific, instead of of saying, uh, would you be my mentor? Just kind of help them move into that seat naturally. Right. Would you be my mentor unless you really know them? But even then, you know, I think would you be my mentor is so broad that it's a bit, it could be a bit intimidating, you know, well, what on or why, or I don't really understand that. That sounds like a lot of work, (laughs) you know, and, you know, could I have coffee with you again is too broad. Like about what? Like I'm really busy. Mm. So the, you know, you're good at this. I'd like to get good at that too. I'd like your advice. Can we have coffee? Feels manageable. And then you can build that over time. Like, wow, Mark, that was so useful. I'm going to take your suggestions away and I'm going to do that, right? Once I've done it, can I book some time with you and come back and give you another update? Would that be okay? Yes, you're nodding. Great. I do that once more. And then I say to you, this has been so helpful, Mark. I've done this. And then last, the second time we met, I did this. This is what's happening. I'm, you know, this kind of mentoring advice is so helpful. It feels like I don't have to figure it out on my own. You know, can we keep these conversations going? I think that second part is something that we, a lot of us forget to do because we're afraid to go back and bother someone. But giving an update that I, I heard you 
I took your advice. I took action on your advice is not bothering the person one more time. Because how many times have you heard someone complain, you know, I spent time with this person and they didn't listen to a word I said, and I really don't feel like spending any more time. You may have done everything that they said. And if they don't know that, they can't help you even further. I think it's a, a really good distinction. I'm curious, since sponsors are different, how do you cultivate sponsors mm. in your organization? Sponsors are different because because they're speaking about you when you're not in the room. In a sense, they're trading some of their own personal brand equity for endorsing you. So what that means for a sponsor is they need to know you, right? They need to be able to confidently say, you know, you should work with Mark. Mark's an amazing coach for rising leaders, right? And know that that is as limited personal risk for them. And to do that, they need to know you. So often sponsors, sources of sponsors are your boss, your ex-bosses, other senior folks that you've worked very closely with and mentors. So even though you might not have worked directly with them, right, they're seeing your thinking through these updates, through these discussions. They can see your mental processes. You're giving them an update on your results and they get to know you. And, you know, I know at some point in that conversation, when I'm asking, you know, my mentor for advice, they're going to say, well, how does this fit with your career, Helen? What do you want to be doing in five years time? And, you know, if they don't, then tell them, right, this is really important to me to get this skill nailed because, you know, medium term, I'd like to be doing this. Oh, right. And they'll hear that. Oh, you know, I'd like to go back to the UK and work in the UK. They may not say anything at the time, but, you know, if they then hear of a role in the UK, for instance, oh, have we considered Helen? I know, you know, I mentor her. I know she'd be interested in that. And suddenly I'm in a room and I've built, you know, a sponsor from someone just through conversations with them. And I think there's a great distinction that captures this, which is subconsciously we all support what we helped to build Right, that's why you can get children to eat vegetables if you get them to help you cook them. <laughs> so on some level, <laughs> it's the child in all of us, right? Just, you know, feeling like these meetings have been really helpful, Mark, and I'm taking your advice and using it and I'm getting better because of it. If you are, you know, and not all leaders are like this, but if you're a leader who believes that part of their legacy and part of their job is helping the people that are coming behind you, behind us, then that's enormously rewarding, isn't it? Build, building a bench, it's the, it's the best way for the mentor to get promoted. Right. And the sponsor. Right, and developing talent. You know, there's a point we talked, didn't we, about stages in your leadership journey. And I think for many of us, we get to the point where we're so we're senior enough that we're like, okay, I've kind of achieved what I wanted to achieve here. And actually, this stage of leadership is not about me. That was a key one we talked at the beginning, didn't we, about kind of stages in my leadership journey. But realizing like on some level I've arrived and now the distinction is moving from, you know, an individual contributor to genuinely it not being about me anymore and it being about succeeding through others. And I think if you're at that stage in your career, which many you know mentors or sponsors are, and they're good leaders, then that stuff is important. It's so interesting because, the, again, the higher you go in the organization, or if you're an entrepreneur, the bigger your organization gets, 
the only way you're going to succeed is honing the skill of succeeding through others, which you know, then it has all these skills. So two more questions. The first one is, where did you fail miserably? And if you had your book, you wouldn't have failed. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to be vulnerable. Where, where did you stumble? And that book would have, would have been the difference. Where I really struggled was not so much in a, oh, I did this launch and it didn't work. I never failed miserably like that. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I know who I'm talking to. So finding yes, that I failure know. is going to be really hard. Failure was not an option, Mark. <laughs> but the biggest stretch area for me, I think, was the process of stakeholder management, I call it now. The process of Again, on the leadership journey, right? You reach a point in your career where it's not about you. And if it's not your job to do the work anymore, it's your job to make sure the right work gets done. And for you to focus on the things that only you can do as a leader, there's a point in your career as a senior leader, you know, moving the organization, managing your stakeholders, bringing people along with you, driving organizational change, just it's a skill that you don't, you know, when you're an individual contributor and buried in the trenches and filling the spreadsheets in, you don't have to do. But as a senior leader, you've got to align the organization. So I think I, I struggled with the belief that if I just did good work, I could bring it to a meeting and that everyone, you know, a bit like the the waiter in a fancy French restaurant, you know, they bring the platter with the lid on it. And then they, you know, there's some kind of drum roll and taran, taran, taran. <laughs> you know, I thought I could do that with PowerPoint. <laughs> and what you realize is that then people are like, oh, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, did anybody in my organization see this? Oh, I don't remember being asked about this. And oh, I'm not sure that would work for us. Have you considered, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you get debate and delay. And that actually the skill that I needed to learn much earlier <laughs> was that the meeting happens before the meeting and that going around and speaking, you know, taking, I literally teach a structured approach of who will be in the room or consulted when that decision is asked for, right? Make a list and do you know if they are red, yellow, or green in a traffic light sense about that decision? If you don't know, they're yellow, right? And are your greens really shiny green? <laughs> if you're like, yeah, 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 no, no, they know about it. They know about it. They're a support. I'm like, go and see them. Go and check that they're still a supporter. And when you're in the meeting, ask them to speak and ask them, can I ask you a question? You know, Mark, thank you so much for your help on the journey here. Your input into the presentation today was really helpful. And, you know, specifically, we've moved this on, you know, further to our discussion. And let them advocate for you. Where are your yellows? Setting them up to advocate for you, setting yeah. them up to be a support. Yes. Because how many times have you, you know, I've coached people, they go into a meeting, you know, even if they have stacked the deck, you call it stakeholder management, I call it stacking the deck. Even if they have done that, they haven't asked that specific thing of, will you please speak up in the meeting? I'm going to ask you a question about this, you know, and getting that final thing over the, over the finish line. Yeah. And I mean, it, depending on how well you know them, you can say, and so-and-so I think has some concerns. You know, I can answer them in the meeting, but honestly, if you have anything to add, I'd love for you to speak in the meeting and, you know, talk to them too. So, and then, you know, where are your yellows? If you don't know where they are, they're yellow, or if they have doubts, have you addressed their doubts? Have you, you know, helped them feel like they've helped you to build it? 
right? People support what they help you build. And for the Reds, you know, have you influenced them? Do they feel heard? Have you listened, demonstrated listening, looked for win-win, you know, adapted what you're doing so that they feel like they've been involved? I love it. You're, the boardroom is filled with five-year-olds who have to help you cook their vegetables in order to eat them. Right. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. And, and, and get told what a good boy or a good girl they were so that they get the recognition for it too. Remember, win-win. Like sometimes people just want recognition and it's mm. free to say, you know, Mark, thank you so much. It's been amazing. And your team have been so helpful too. And then Mark feels good, you know, and I gave her, you know, 20 minutes of my time two weeks ago and then 10 minutes two days ago. And like, look, we both look good now. Maybe enough. <laughs> so that, and that hurt me. I think on my journey, I resisted that for longer than I should have done. It was like, oh my goodness, this is just more stuff to do. And I resented it. And it took me, really took me time working with somebody that was really good at it. I worked for a guy called Stephen Walker, who was just amazing at it. He was always, you know, locked in one of our little meeting rooms on the phone to someone. And he just did it in such a structured way. I just learned so much from him. It was invaluable. Again, another mentor, someone who went before you and taught you a better way. So you work with a pretty heavy roster of CEOs. I'm curious, what what do they look for in a trusted advisor? You know, because they have teams of people and all vying for their attention, all wanting wanting to have the ear of the CEO. What what did they need for someone to be a trusted advisor to them? I think honestly, it comes down to two things. Someone that's not afraid to tell them the truth and a safe space. What do you mean by safe space? I always describe some of what I do as speaking truth to power but speaking it to them in a way that they can hear. So not re-triggering <laughs> their childhood wounds, but being honest, being constructive, taking what we know, reflecting back to them, having them consider other options, and then taking it into action. But I think, honestly, I think the loneliness of leadership is underestimated. You know, it's great being a CEO and, you know, you've made it, you've arrived, you know, your mum's so proud of you and you've got the big corner office and the big check. And then you sit there and you're like, okay, so I'm kind of having a shitty day today. <laughs> <laughs> Who do I talk to? And you've got no boss anymore. Or if you, you know, some CEOs, depending on what you're the CEO of, if you're a divisional CEO, you may have a boss, but how often can you go to your boss and say, I haven't got it figured out? Mm-hmm. Once or twice, maybe, but then they're going to be like, do you know what? I'm going to get me someone who has got it figured out. <laughs> if you go to a peer, again, if you have one, sometimes that can work. But sometimes they're like, hmm, well, Mark's struggling. Maybe we could just roll his region into my region, right? Maybe I could do both. And if you go to your team, again, sometimes you can do it. But if I'm working for you and times are really uncertain and you come to me and say, I don't know what I'm doing. Now I'm really worried. Now we're really screwed. <laughs> so having a coach, having, you know, a trusted advisor, executive coach who's been on the journey that you can call and say, I haven't got it figured out. This came in this morning. How do I lead, Helen? Is, you know, is what we both do, isn't it? 
Well, it, it's it's interesting because they do know what to do. It's just getting their wheels under. You know, they're human like us. So when something comes in kind of fast and furious and it's and it's consequential, they need someone to kind of sit with them while they figure it out. And it's you know what? Where are we now? Where do you want to get to? What are the options? What are the advantages and disadvantages of those options? And how can we mitigate any unintended consequences? And yeah, if you hold them in that space of walking them through then they'll get there. And, you know, none of us, neither of us actually tell a CEO or any kind of leader what to actually do, do they? They're, they're the experts in their business. We'll never know as well as they will. Exactly. It's ask, asking the right questions to, to ferret that out. So you have a whole course on this. You, you've codified the, the book. You've codified what you do with your clients uh, into a, a, the unwritten rules of women's leadership course. What is that about? How do you take people through that? So the course was was born out, honestly, Mark, of, and the book, the, all of this work was born out of, you know, the research, the best practice, the struggles that I had, the learnings that I had working with women one-on-one and realizing that, you know, there are these leadership lessons that it's leadership. You read the book, my son read the book and said, you know, it's leadership. It, it's useful for men to read this too. But there is a difference often in many of these areas. These are the areas that women often disproportionately struggle with. So it was born out of the fact that one-on-one, I was coaching on the same things over and over again. So how can I deliver those in a way which is easy and you don't have to work with me one-on-one? So it's a 12-week course. You know, It's on a learning management system. It's 12 areas like you know, resilience, confidence, negotiating skills, empowering the team, a lot of skills of leading you, leading the team and moving, leading the organization, influencing skills is in there. And then each week there's a video and there's activities and then there's a weekly Q&A with me. And it's a journey that we go on together as a group of women, as a community. Because one of the other things that I really experienced on my journey as a woman in a male-dominated organization is that it can be really lonely. And even if you're not a woman in a male-dominated organization, if you're a woman in an organization which is really competitive, again, that loneliness of leadership, the loneliness of navigating this can be really real. So being in community with women that are on the same journey is fun and helpful and, you know, (laughs) soul-filling. I've spoken to women who've gone through your course and not only have their the skills were game changing, they they understanding that other women are having the same challenges. You know, again, having that sisterhood has been remarkable for them. I, I'm really it's amazing. So I was fortunate enough to take the quiz that you have that kind of kind of kind of gives you where you are on all these things that we talked about. So I I was I took the quiz and I've gotten uh, I got the results and then I got all these worksheets and all these really cool things uh, and learned a ton. Uh, even though I'm not a woman. Can I share that quiz that you put together? Absolutely. Yes. It's a it takes just a couple of minutes and it's an assessment of, you know, how well are you currently doing in terms of leading you and leading your team and leading the organization. And you'll get, yes, like you said, you'll get a personalized report back and then a series of hopefully really useful tools and strategies. I'd love that. Thank you. I love that because the the the, the videos and the, the worksheets that you gave me were specific to how I scored on the test. So you put a lot of work into that. If you're a guy, you can take the test. You probably won't market to you, 
but you can take the test and get some of the gold there too. So Helen, if people need and must have more of you, how can they find you? Helen Appleby on LinkedIn, Mark, or Helen Appleby Coaching. The quiz is there. There's tons of resources there. And the book, The Unwritten Rules of Women's Leadership is on Amazon and (laughs) where you normally buy books. Uh, And definitely take the test. Also, The Unwritten Rules of Women's Leadership podcast, where you have some amazing guests and amazing conversations. Helen, thank you for spending time with us. Thank you for being on the journey with me, Mark. Thank you for being my friend, my mentor, my my colleague, my everything. (laughs) I appreciate you more than you know. Right back at you. Everybody else, thank you so much for spending your time and attention with us. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you for joining today's conversation. If you got value, please share the episode, give us a thumbs up, write us a review. And if there's a topic you'd like us to cover or a question that you have, send them my way. Look forward to connecting on the next episode of the Rising Leader Podcast.